This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. The Huskies Warming House podcast is also brought to you by the Soda Pod, home of MNCAA college hockey news and more. Stay wild and up to date with new episodes throughout every week. Find them on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other podcast platforms. And welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast, episode 190 here in the den. Nick Maxson alongside Noah Grant here uh, in the sort of middle portions of December, so to speak. We're just a couple of weeks away from Christmas break, of course, for those who are still in school. Um, and if you're not, well, you know, the working world, you get like maybe a day and I'll be working on Christmas. So I guess I'll put that out there. But um, yeah, I mean, what, we get a day, maybe two if we're lucky. <laughs> it's not like um, the things in the times of past, the, t- the turntables. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, isn't that strange, you know, how like it, it kind of just, and maybe it's just because it's been a while for me, you know, you, you go from what a couple of weeks off to maybe three weeks and, and then all of a sudden it's like a day or two. Yeah. Yeah. It's strange. And it, it, it feels different too, when you get to that stage, you know, cause. Well, I think it's just, it's something you normally look forward to, right? You know, you, you know, you're going to yeah. have that time off and. And it, and it feels like it lasts longer right now. It's. Yeah. You go from Halloween to Thanksgiving to the holidays to New Year, just like that. I mean, yep. And it's well, like, wait. well, you want to talk about just like that? How about the St. Cloud State men's and women's teams? Both very good stretches for them heading into essentially their uh, bye week, so to speak, over the course of the holiday. The women are off for basically a calendar month and then some uh the men will be off for at least three weeks so uh, we have some things planned of course coming up in the couple of weeks but they don't as they have very good showings as they push through uh into the middle of their conference play before they start the second half of their seasons and without further ado why don't we jump into a jam-packed week filled with five games total for the huskies squads we start as always with centerized few news and notes presented by huskiesillustrated.com and the soda pot Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Episode 190 here in the den. Nick Max and Noah Grant here joining you. Uh, Coming up on the middle of December, December 12th for a release date for today's show, depending on when you're listening to us, Uh, either if it's on Tuesday or a little bit later into the week, of course, a little bit easier to catch up now that uh, a lot of the teams are pretty much done for the first half of their season, so to speak, might have some games kind of straggling through as we push into the holiday break, but that's kind of about it. Nick, I mean, let's jump right into it. I mean, we we start on the women's side here and uh, the Huskies, of course, three games for them. We we'll get to that but other than that we did have uh games going on of course uh Duluth and Wisconsin ended up playing uh on that Sunday like I said and I believe Duluth was the one that ended up winning on the third um I think we we recapped that yet last week so that kind of got our week 
uh, it started off on Sunday. Huskies played on Tuesday. And then on Friday, the only other matchups, uh, Minnesota playing Wisconsin. It was a win each way. The Gophers win 5-3 in the first night. And then Wisconsin pushing back with a 5-1 victory. Both of those games at Ritter Arena in Minnesota. So uh, pound for pound, both of them in regulation as well, too. So um, a pretty even split. Anyway, you look at it, uh, St. Thomas beating Bemidji State 4-2. I believe that is their first conference win of the year, and then Bemidji State I kicked back so. yeah. with uh, a 4-0 victory of their own. Uh, and then it was a Saturday-Sunday matchup, Ohio State winning 6-1 and 4-1. Not really any surprise there. Mankato just not able to match the firepower of the Buckeyes. But, uh, Nick, uh, we start on Tuesday, December 5th. The Huskies lose in a shootout, technically a 1-1 tie according to the pairwise oh. standings. 2-1 is the official score. Uh, attendance of 7-0-2. This one was at the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center. Um, it was. Yeah, 700 people in attendance, which is awesome. Like I said, this team is a very good hockey team, and uh, if you're a Huskies fan, you're going to want to watch this squad. Uh, they outshot Minnesota 12-7 in the first, 10 even uh, in period number two, and 8-5 uh, before the Gophers tacked on a 6 to nothing margin in the extra frame trying to take things home. It was actually the Huskies out shooting the Gophers 30-28. to This game had everything you were looking for. The Gophers' only tally came in the first period. Peyton Hemp 7th on the power play. Gophers go very one nice for five. Very nice shot. Gophers go one for four uh, on the man advantage. And, uh, you know, you, you think about um, this women's hockey team. I mean, essentially it was a bumper shot from the goal line right into kind of the middle of the slot there at, uh, on the dot, essentially, but slot area. And uh, um, the Gophers get on the board. I mean, a really nice seeing eye shot up over the glove. And then the Huskies um, bounce back. Uh, essentially kind of a miscue was a regroup for the Gophers. And uh, the defenseman wasn't able to handle the puck cleanly, turns into a two-on-one. And then a really nice short side glove snapshot has the Huskies tied. Uh, Addy Scribner's first uh, from yeah. Avery Myers at the 534 mark of period number two. And that was all the scoring we were going to get until we got to the shootout. Um, first of all, I mean, I the Gophers get uh, the lone goals in the shootout in the first shooter in the third. First one was a really slick forehand, backhand, forehand move. And then the third Gopher goal, um, pretty slick backhand to seal it off. But I'll tell you what, uh, even though not every goal ended up you know, in the net in terms of the shootout, some really smooth moves, I would say, yeah. uh, from both squads. You can really tell a pretty soft set of mitts for uh, players on both of these squads. Huskies, unfortunately drop that extra point according to the WCHA standings, but faceoffs were dead even 32 aside. Can't complain about that. We talked about how Minnesota's been up and down. And you know, it's funny, my of course my parents grew up, you know, as Gophers fans, I did too. My dad went to the University of Minnesota. So of course he watches the women's team as well as the men. And he texted me after the game, he goes, This St. Cloud team must be really good. And I'm like, they definitely are. They and we'll get to the end of the week here. But uh I mean, they played this Gophers team to one goal, essentially a pair of 2-1 finishes both times, one in a shootout and one in regulation, Nick. Um, Got to feel good about that result. I mean, shootouts, I mean, they are what they are. They're not really an indicator of, you know, necessarily how a team plays and um, as good Except as... The, for one thing, though. Well, as good as the Huskies' <clears throat> goaltending has been... No. Um, you know, it's just the Gophers, the Gophers have so much firepower in terms of the offensive uh, prowess that you knew that the high-end players for the Gophers might have a pretty good chance in the shootout frame. For those listening, I think it's cute what Noah thinks of what I'm, what he thinks I'm about to say. He missed on both tries. Well, I, 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 was, I was still finishing my initial. I know. But, I mean, <laughs> he's annoyed. Anyway, so, no, it was more that they got to the shootout. And I say it because mm. you mentioned, no, hold on. You're forgetting a couple of things here. St. Cloud was shorthanded for four minutes and 46 seconds of the of the overtime. Remember, it was CeCe Bowlby. It took a five-minute manger and a game misconduct yeah. at the end of the third against a Minnesota power play, which coming into, the, into that game was over 41% on the essentially completion rate. They were number one in the nation. So then there was another minor penalty that they took before then. So... Adolski is looking at a 1-1. St. Cloud was pushing, too. They were really trying to get some kind of bounce, something before the end of regulation. You could argue 
they got a little bit maybe too aggressive. CeCe Wolby, a big hit on Abby Murphy, actually, in the open ice. Yeah, right um, off the face-off. Right off that, the face-off. I mean, that was one that even in a men's game, I mean, you would have called it, I think. Exactly. You know, like, um, just so, if, so I say that not because it's like I'm doubting one side or the other, but I think it is of note that St. Cloud was able to kill off essentially the entire overtime shorthanded minus 16 or 14 seconds, give or take a couple there. Um, just because again, that power play goal they had was their only goal that they scored in the first 60 minutes. Um, granted, kind of a yeah, it was a bumper play, but it was sort of a broken bumper play if you watched it back. Um, just very quick release, CNI yeah. shot perfectly placed. I mean, I'm, I'm tipping my hat to Peyton Hunt was a hell of a shot. Um, Showback, just I don't think she really expected it to come off that stick uh, as quick as it did. Um, and then as you mentioned, uh, St. Cloud being opportunistic, but really for the first 60 minutes, you mentioned shots on goal. St. Cloud was pushing back the entire game. Uh, number two, the defensive blue line for St. Cloud was a freaking fortress. Um, Brian Adelski said it himself. This game had a playoff feel to it. It looked like a playoff game. It felt like one. Um, you know, being in the building for that game, there's plenty, like you said, 700. It felt like a crowd there. There were actually a bunch of Gophers fans that traveled up there. Um, and, and, I think that, and that speaks exactly to the testament of how good the Huskies team is that it they're, is, they're yes. willing to travel. Because what, in years past, I, I think, well, I mean, I think we're being honest about it. You know, I don't think Gophers fans would have made the trip because it's like, okay, well, how bad is it going to be? Meaning how lopsided right. is it going to be in the Gophers' favor? I think it is indicative that this is going to be a good series. And it was a great Tuesday game. And again, a one-goal game, it comes in the extra session and you could see after that post game the emotional sort of slouch because I really feel like St. Cloud felt that they had a chance a couple different times during that game to pull ahead. And I do think that they did. Um, they did not help themselves with the late period overtime penalties that they took. Um, I think if you would ask Brian Idolski, honestly, if he was you know, maybe some beads of sweat running off of his head during, you know, those last little bit, I think he would say yes. Um, but I think overall, um, I know that his comments after the game were that was one hell of an entertaining hockey game. Um, granted, you know, still not happy that they came out essentially figuratively on the losing end of it. But as far as women's hockey and us covering them for the past couple of years, me being in the building and being on the call for BTM plus, that is the best effort I've seen out of St. Cloud and the women's team that I've ever seen in my three or four years covering that squad. That was one hell of a game. Yeah, well, this is hands down the best team we've ever covered for the Huskies on the women's side. I mean, there's no doubt yes. about that. Like you mentioned, three sets of coincidentals throughout this hockey game. And then, as you mentioned, the Huskies, Taylor Larson had a penalty. Clara Himlover a little bit before that tied up with that coincidental with Ella Huber. And then CC Bowlby, like you mentioned, Sonia Hola stops 27 of 28 in this one, playing all 65 minutes and change. Um, you know, and, and we talked about kind of uh, St. Cloud's run where they were going to get Ohio State, they were going to get the Gophers on that Tuesday, and then were, they were going to get Duluth. Nick, I, I think the first thing that we have to point out as we move into that Friday contest, the Huskies only lost one of those games in regulation. Yeah. You know, they lost, you know, they lose three total. They win two. They go two and three, but really they went. Technically two, two and one. Two, but... two and one. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I, In a heartbeat, I would take that. And the Huskies probably had a chance to steal an extra point or two, like you mentioned, especially in the shootout. You move into Friday, the Huskies uh, do lose uh, two to one. And yeah. uh, this one was an overtime and a game where the Huskies outshot their opponents somewhat heavily, 38-27, 15-10 in the first, 11-8 in the second, 11-5 in period number three, and then the Bulldogs, of course, had some pushback, also a power play goal. Unfortunately, power play is kind of coming back uh, to bite the Huskies on that Friday, unfortunately. Um, yeah. You know, a pretty, first of all, I really, the, the lone goal that, the Bulldogs scored in regulation a very, 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 very rare miscue by Jojo Choback. Yeah. That. Just a weird little dump in that was kind of across the grain moving, you know, from one side to the other, from glove side to blocker. And I just don't know if it was fluttering, if she didn't pick it up clean. Wasn't whatever. fluttering. Um, yeah, it, it, just, it looked like from my perspective, it caught the top of her glove. Um, just didn't feel it cleanly. Um, it wasn't a fluttering puck. It was, 
I mean, it looked like it was an attempted shot on net, attempted dump in right on net. It yeah. was certainly high too. And I, you know, you kind of wonder too when you're when you're out in your extended reach if maybe the depth perception of where the puck is is maybe slightly tougher to manage or, or is it necessary to play the puck you know right and you you, you know and, and and jojo knew right away um her her reaction right for that that puck fluttered in was was indicative and yeah i think on the bench you know if you're adolski you're maybe worried about where the mental game was after that she rebounded just fine and again the we'll talk about the overtime winner again um at you know a little bit later but i feel like she it didn't really seem to rattle her which yeah. is good. She, she, she was really, really good. And, you know, you hate to say it, but you know, for a goaltender that talented, that was a tough one to watch. Um, Cause you take that one off the board. Huskies maybe could have came away with that win too. Yeah. Certainly a little bit painful. Um, really nice play though, for the Huskies kind of coming back into the zone, creating essentially a, a mini three on two entering the zone play into the yep. middle of the ice trailer is in the slot, uh, right-handed shot across the grain. The Huskies are on the board. It was Avery Farrell's fourth of the season, Ella Onik and Katie Kaufman, who's had a whale of a season in the assist category at the yep. 1350 mark of the third period had the Huskies in it. And then Tova Henderson, uh, two fifty three into the overtime session on the power play. Like we mentioned, pretty much a, yep. A net mouth scramble four on three and a, a defenseman gets the loose change in the rebound and shoots through that screen. And yeah, yeah, I mean, nothing a goaltender can do on that one, you know? So, um, you know, all in all, I mean, I, I feel like the Huskies have to feel good about that, you know, effort. I mean, essentially they go 35 wins, 34 losses in the faceoff dot much improved over the course of the weekend do allow a power play goal on only two opportunities uh, being the game winner in overtime. They go over three, which um, is a little bit uncharacteristic for them, at least for the first two games of the week. Uh, you know, and even, you know, into Saturday, they go 0 for 3. Duluth, again, uh, 1 for 2 on their lone goal of the game. So a bit of a, an interesting weekend, all things considered. They were outshot 36-29 in the last one, um, including 17-6 in the second period. But it really didn't matter. The Huskies uh, certainly capitalized on uh, a pair of goals in the second period, one in the first to carry a 3-0 lead into the third before Duluth had a little bit of pushback and made it interesting before a pair of empty netters. But, uh, you know... You look at the Huskies, um, you know, rebound, you know, gets them on the board, a uh, goal off of a rebound. Second one is a nice backhand, essentially defenseman blown Surreal. coverage. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I don't know if the defenseman thought that she wasn't going to cut back into the middle, but I mean, just totally blown coverage and a backhand really nice shot there. Uh, breakaway on the third goal for the Huskies, forehand backhand. Uh, and the Hus- again. Yeah, Huskies, uh, you know, take a three, nothing lead. And then uh, it's three, one, a really nice redirect from Duluth that was able to get them back on the board. You thought maybe they were going to have some pushback, not to be extra attacker on the ice D to D pass broken up. Huskies make it four, one, and then a turnover and neutral essentially in garbage time makes it five, one and the Huskies just like that. Take a very well-deserved uh, set of points in regulation. As you mentioned, uh, a, uh, Alice Surreal, her fourth. Avery Farrell, her fifth. That one was shorthanded, that breakaway goal, by the yes, way. Clara Himlarova, her seventh of the season, pacing the team. Addie Scribner adds her second of the week. Uh, Taylor Larson, her first of the year in the into the empty net. Uh, Sofiana Sundland, Katie Kaufman, again, telling another assist. Emma Gentry, Dale Ross, and Taylor Lind round out your assist getters as we look at Sonia Hola stopping 35 of 36. So um, all in all, Nick, this team stands at 13-6-1, and 8-5-1 in the WCHA. Standings-wise, they are in a home ice position by a single point. Um, they are in fourth place, a 595 winning percentage in conference. Um, everybody has played 14 games up to this point in conference. Ohio State leads the pack with 37 points. They Imagine that. They're a good hockey team. Who would have thunk? Uh, and then uh, Minnesota actually in second at 33. Wisconsin at 31. You talk about how how much of a difference some of those games in recent weeks for Wisconsin have kind of changed things a little bit. And the Gophers, to their credit, have stayed pat. St. Cloud within relative striking distance at 25 points. Duluth right behind them at 24. And then 9-6-3 and three respectively for Mankato, Bemidji, and St. Thomas who got their first conference win of the season last week. But um, Nick, I, I, as far as I look, um, yeah, we do not have any um, games coming up in the WCHA uh, besides some non-conference games for Bemidji State um, on the 29th and 30th of December. Don't forget the men will actually be at Bemidji uh, for the Huskies on the flip side, and then January gets things rolling with 
the wrap up for a lot of holiday tournaments and uh, um, the Huskies will actually uh, do battle against St. Thomas on January 6th. We'll be their next yep. action. Exhibition so, game. Yep. Yep. Recently added to it in the last week or so. Yep. Um, yep. Their, their official, their official action uh, gets them back underway against Mankato, the 12th and 13th uh, back right. in a WCHA play. But I mean, this team, we talked about it, you know, you know, very good 18 wins last season, you know, pushing that program record, you know, closer to 20 and things like that. I mean, th- this team is a, no doubt about it. I mean, 13 wins already on the season. We were hitting the halfway mark. Uh, they're well above 500, almost 600 in WCHA play. I mean, this is everything we could have asked for. I, I think if you look back at, and I'm curious your opinion on this, Nick, if you look back at their schedule throughout the first half, right, they they beat Union, uh, they split against Mercyhurst, sweep Bemidji, one goal lost against the Gophers, they beat Northeastern and Lindenwood handily, sweep Mankato, pair of losses to get to Wisconsin. Both those games were either tied or one goal contests in the last five minutes of those. A uh, yeah. pair of close uh, shutouts against St. Thomas big victory against the number one team in the country, Ohio state before losing the next evening. And then this previous week, a shootout loss, overtime loss and a victory against Duluth, Nick. I mean, I would say maybe you deserve to at least get one win against the Gophers and you probably deserved at least some points against Wisconsin. But other than that, the small blip against Mercyhurst early in the season is really the only blemish for this squad that has otherwise been more than serviceable throughout the first half of the season. Uh, certainly the most exciting women's uh, team that we've seen in the program in quite some time. Uh, number eight also in the country by the coaches poll. Uh, so not only are they in great position in the WCHA, they're seven. in great position in terms seven. of pairwise. Seven right. actually in the coaches eight, poll. Yeah, yeah okay. and pairwise is seven as well. So uh, they are well within a NCAA slot right now. They are. Um, and so you wonder what's next, right? And I say that because I think, and Brian Adelsky talked about this five games and eight day stretch, which is, you know, he actually kind of said, you know, it's kind of on me because I think he, he kind of thought, okay, maybe to the, the casual eye, this is why would I put Ohio State, the Gophers, and UMD back to back to back in such a short time. And he mentioned to the girls, and and you know, to uh, to your point, Noah, for Friday's game, on paper they looked all right. I will tell you that you could you could see that they were not quite the same team energy wise. Um, Idolsky said maybe they it's just the emotional drainage from that game against Minnesota. But he goes, I wanted our team to go through what it would probably look like come February or March when you're playing in the WCHA uh, champion, uh, you know, tournament. And then maybe if we're in an NCAA tournament spot, you're going one game versus the next, and it's a quick turnaround to the Frozen Four. He's like, I wanted our team to know what it's like to play games back-to-back-to-back against really good opponents. Um, now that we're through that, I think, as we said before, 2-2-1, two, two, and one, you got to be happy with that. And I think more so against the Gophers, one bounce, that's three. A little bit better outing against Duluth. You could argue they could have had four of the well, five. Well, you yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, five out of nine points in the past week, essentially seven out of fifteen total against uh, you know three of the top ten teams in the country, like almost top five, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you have to feel really good about that for this program. And we've raved about them quite a bit. It's, you know, the attendance was only one in the three, four hundreds uh, throughout Friday and Saturday's games. And part of me is like, how, um, in my mind, how are there not over a thousand people in, in the Herbrooks National Hockey Center right now watching this team? I mean, it's just like. It's, and it's, and it's, it's tough right now because uh, I did the game on Sunday with Tori Holt, um, a longtime St. Cloud State broadcaster. Um, has done both uh, American League as far as NHL work. Um, he's been around. Um, also, room with Tyler Arneson, apparently, yeah. also when he was, uh, at his time in school there. Um, but he mentioned he did the first ever women's game at that building, and the attendance was 1,500. Um, I would think that there still are some skeptical fans that are out there. And the sad part is, I get it, but I do wonder if this team continues to maintain a whole my spot 
and it's something that I talked with some of the uh, the St. Cloud admin about as we were there this past weekend doing three games in five days. My voice is feeling a little bit. Um, but there's there's already talk about, okay, you know, we haven't done one in a while. In fact, the last time the St. Cloud got out of the quarterfinals for the WCHA was 2008, I believe. So it's been a minute. Um, so there's a lot of anticipation growing with this squad and what it's really capable of. And I, I think, especially as we get to the second half, and if they continue to pull points from these big teams, they continue to take care of business like teams, you know, hate to say it, Mankato, St. Thomas, and Bemidji State, this team is going to be above 20 wins for the first time ever in program history. They're in a pairwise spot where they are an NCAA lock. And dare I say, a possible home ice position for the first round of the WCHA uh, playoffs, and then maybe a trip to the WCHA uh, frozen faceoff at Ritter Arena. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see more fans turn up for this squad as time rolls. And they really, because I, I, I can't speak for the fan base, but you do kind of wonder with just some of the history of this program, especially over the past, what, cumulative five to 10 years, success hasn't been there. Right. So I, I think there's still some, shall we say, skeptical, skeptical fans that are out there. Yeah. I think that what Vidalski turned ahead last year, but I think he's going to make some believers as we go throughout the season. I really think this team is going to be a team to reckon with come February and March. I really do. Yeah, and certainly some manageable teams, St. Thomas for the exhibition, and then uh, Mankato and St. Thomas again before you have Ohio State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Minnesota, Duluth, and that's going to be your tough sledge through the middle. Um, And I think if the Huskies can have a good showing against Ohio State, maybe take one against them or Wisconsin, you're going to start to see people perk up as we hit the middle of February. Bemidji State will round out the regulation schedule before the playoff push. This Huskies team, of course, uh, very good. In fact, even uh, when they've led after the first or second, They've not lost a hockey game when they've been tied. They've been well over 500. Uh, when they've trailed after the first, they've still been one, two, and one. It's only when they trail after two periods of play that they've yet to find a victory uh, across this season. Plus 22 goal differential, um, out shooting their opponent by almost 100 shots. Um, 11 and one when scoring first. Uh, a pairwise points percentage just under 700. So. Um, a lot of really great things here. I would say if you're the Huskies, the only thing to really clean up here, power play is 18.8%. You'd like to see that tick up just a little bit. And then special teams, especially over the course of the past week, now down to 83% on the PK. That's got to be a little bit better. Unfortunately, uh, that was kind of the Achilles heel just a little bit last weekend. So, um, But all in all, Nick, I, I, I think it's safe to say a very good first half for this squad. Clara Himlerova and Katie Kaufman paced the team with 15 and 14 points, respectively. It is your goal and assist leader, Clara Himlerova, with seven tucks on the year. Katie Kaufman, 11 assists on the season. Alice Surreal, the only other player to hit the double-digit mark with 10 points on the year. Sonny Ahola, a 9.67 save percentage and a .8 goals against through 10 total contests. She has allowed less than a goal per game, which obviously that's what the stat means but still i just for those who don't know less than a goal per game she has allowed for this huskies group and jojo choback um a meager 1.71 and a 931 save percentage to boot and probably could be even better if it wasn't for that unfortunate dumping um in, in that initial game uh, for the huskies on friday but uh nick uh, final thoughts here on the women's group uh, obviously a big test for them uh being off for almost a calendar month that's it that's that is something that i think um you talked about people who are skeptical they've got to i mean the exhibition game theoretically against st thomas means nothing and st thomas has played them very well but then when you get mankato and st thomas on the wcha swing around you've got to take care of business there you have to come out of the gate hot in the second half i think if you don't you start to really kind of sow the seeds of doubt and i know Ohio State, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Duluth, those games are going to be what they're going to be. But, you know, I think for Brian Idolski and company, those first four games against very handleable opponents, you got to make sure you take care of business. Just start the second half on the right foot and then go from there, and it's going to be what it's going to be. So um, big challenge coming up here in the next month just to kind of stay fit and stay in the mental game. 
And a big reason to that is why they added the exhibition game against St. Thomas Noah. Um, in yep. fact, it, it was Idolsky's call uh, speaking with those in the athletic department is that, yeah, the first game back, because you mentioned is a calendar month. He didn't want it to be in a game where, shall we say, it had conference implications, even though it's a sort of a conference opponent, but exhibition, right? Um, I think it's great because you know there's going to be mental rust. You know there's probably going to be maybe the timing and, you know, just some of that, you know, game decision rust that you have to, you know, kind of get off. And I think Adolski is looking at this squad and sees the potential here, right? Um, I don't think you would necessarily add a game this late in the year, what, five weeks prior if you didn't feel like okay we want to start off our second half on the right foot and i think it's a smart way to go uh but but going back to the first half again 13 wins you're five away from tying a program record there's no way in heck they're not getting that there just isn't right i do feel like this this squad has a chance and a very good way of getting at least 20 wins for the first time ever um i feel like this team is a legitimate playoff threat i feel yep. like this team you know, if it plays to the way that I saw them play the Gophers, they can compete with almost any team in the country if that's the effort they put on night in, night out. Um, you know, again, we talked about it. They got it was two, two and one. It could easily be four and one. I really believe that. A bounce here, a bounce there. They're that close. Um, so you just hope that for this women's squad that they can, as you mentioned, that reboot is going to be so important, which is why yeah. I like the exhibition game. Um, if they can essentially shake off some rust get you know kind of the feedback underneath them um you know in a game that you're not playing each other we talked about you know sort of the mentality you know stuff with that uh, i think this this team is the sky's the limit right now and it's going to be such a great story to follow yeah. uh, they have a very home heavy schedule through january and then early february and then a very road heavy schedule to finish it out so you know can they take advantage of the whole mice um, they can they fight through three straight road uh, series to close things out. I think there is some adversity there that, mm -hmm. you know, that they're going to have to figure out and be able to battle through. But if they got through this five game and eight day stretch, should be able to handle it. And more so, I think the confidence level in this team is on the rise. I, again, if there's anything that this last week plus a day has done is say, hey, we can compete. We can beat again. Ohio State could have had it against the Gophers probably should have had both against Duluth um mind you broke a basically 11 game winless streak against UMD on Saturday yep um there's a lot of things to like about the squad and they're only getting started yeah in the last two weeks like you said kind of put us from well we'll see kind of where they're at can they really respond to oh yeah they're 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 for real I, you know this yeah. This team has, if they play to their potential, they are right in the mix. Should be uh, a very good uh, ride through the second half of the season. On the flip side, the men are also playing to their potential very, very nicely here. Um, first of all, before we get to the Huskies, of course, some national scores as we recap the past week here. Um, we will get to NCHC as well. The Gophers beating Ohio State in night number one and then um, in night number two, uh, it ended up being an overtime finish. I want, I can't remember who won the, the shootout in that one. Um, I, I had it up and then I, and then I lost it. So, um, but yeah, that Ohio, State, marbles, man. Well, that, then Ohio, then Ohio state has kind of been, kind of been in and out Michigan, uh, beating Notre Dame, that Michigan state team, um, is who I'm talking about. Very good hockey team this season. I think people are, um, and they beat Notre Dame again, two, one the next night. They've got a good squad. I think people are kind of overlooking how good the Spartans may be this season. Wisconsin wins 4-1 on Saturday and 6-3 on Friday against Penn State. So uh, just a couple scores to kind of take a look at. CCHA continues to beat up on each other. Bowling Green, the only team to escape with a sweep this past weekend. Beat up on each other or falter against each other. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's been uh, kind of interesting as far as uh, – um, schedules for the upcoming week we have a couple of games uh going on uh in the next uh week and a half or so a really interesting one in the national stage coming up this friday uh alaska fairbanks will host augustana that'll be an interesting little matchup to see how the independent uh and augustana kind of match up uh, and play each other so but nchc wise uh we had of course um some intrigue no nchc team plays after the previous weekend that we're going to recap until thursday the 28th duluth has northeastern um 
in Milwaukee, Wisconsin for the quick trip holiday face-off. So on Friday of last week, it was Western Michigan 7, Denver 3. Denver responds with a 6-5 overtime finish, 21 combined goals across that series. Um, throughout the weekend, this Denver team, it's been really interesting. Uh, Nick, you, myself, and Max Veach had a really good conversation on MNCAA, which will come out in the next day or two as well, too. Um, uh, kind of about the week that the NCHC has had, I thought it was a fantastic discussion, but it's been really interesting just to see how the NCHC has kind of had some uh, unique looks to it, and I had a pretty hot take about how many teams might actually make the NCAA uh, docket at the end of things here. Uh, speaking of Max Veach's Duluth Bulldogs, uh, overtime finish. Duluth wins in a shootout the first night before a 3-1 regulation victory. That one was in Oxford, Ohio, Miami, getting their first point of the season for the Red Hawks, who have an have had an otherwise abysmal NCHC schedule. Them and the Huskies mm-hmm. pretty much flip-flopped. But the surprise of the weekend, um, the Tigers finally played like the Tigers team that we expected uh, to have this year. Uh, a pair of 3-2 overtime finishes in North Dakota. Um, the Tigers getting some crucial points to slip into that five spot in the NCHC. What a great showing for that Tiger squad, Nick. Uh, and really... If you're a Huskies fan, you have to feel good about the Tigers kind of buying you uh, a little bit of space as well, too, with a couple extra points taken away from the Fighting Hawks, who sit in second in the standings. Yeah, and and this was the Tigers team that we thought we would see yeah. earlier in the year. Um, you know, because we go back to our previews, and you know, we thought that they would, with some of the additions that they had, and, and now under year number three with coach Chris Mayotte, that they would – have taken another bigger step earlier. Um, one thing we probably forgot to consider is their their youth too. They're they're yeah. a young team that they got some turnover, especially um, and again losing some veteran guys, McCowan and Mune. And um, at the end of it, um, they're starting to come together a bit. And to sweep North Dakota in their building for the first time in what thirty years, I think we said it on MNCAA. That's yeah. hell, that's not an easy feat, especially with a that building's never great to any opponent number one number two um cc historically has like many teams struggled in that building that's not an easy place to play well but well think about if it's been 30 years it would be in the old ralph ingolstead it wouldn't even be in the new building you know about that right that's true so at 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 the end of it i mean you kind of wonder what that does for cc and their confidence right um granted you know i think they're probably in the in the side of the realm that says really this had to happen now before a holiday break essentially i think they probably want to keep playing right yeah um but at the end of it you know they'll have to you know go back you know most teams there's going to be some players that are probably playing with some with some injuries nagging here and there so it's going to be good to rest up get get some time away but you you do wonder man you know after coming off such a great road series against UND mind you that's that's one hell of a hockey team up there i'm almost puking in my mouth saying that but they're good um (laughs) you know, what that might do to catapult them in their second half, because uh, I'm sure we'll touch on this, but, you know, the NCHC, kind of what we predicted, seven through three, is very close with each other. Um, so, yeah. you know, you kind of wonder what teams are going to take advantage of the second half and what teams will not. I don't know. Yeah, five points separating that group. Like you mentioned, Miami pulling up the rear 07 and 1. They've got a single point to their credit. Omaha and Duluth both with nine points. And uh, Colorado College, like you mentioned, one point ahead with 10. Denver at 13, Western Michigan at 14, uh, North Dakota at 18. And you talk about the difference here. Denver at 13, North Dakota at 18. Both are 5-3 and three on the season. CC at 10 in fifth place. Western Michigan with 14 in third place. Both 4-4 four and four on the season. So the overtime wins and losses have made a big difference. The Huskies uh, sit atop the conference 7-0-1 now, uh, entering the holiday break, taking 22 of 24 possible points. Uh, we'll kind of recap their weekend, but they have a 9-1 severed conference points percentage so uh yeah that's not too shabby uh speaking of our aforementioned huskies let's jump over to friday of course a traditional weekend for them they were on the road at baxter arena in omaha Six thousand two eighty six is the attendance i i I love baxter arena i think it's a fantastic uh, very underrated venue um pretty good at hosting our covid pods too if if we're being honest uh shots 28 aside in this one the huskies win four to one uh 11 9 in period number one 11 10 
in period number two and actually outshot 9-6 to finish this hockey game. Relatively even face-off wise, 22 wins, 24 losses for the Huskies, so just under 50%. Uh, it was actually Jack Randall who got the scoring started for uh, Omaha. It was their lone goal of the game, uh, about just under 13 minutes into the first period before Werner Miette on the power play. His second of the year from Zach Okabe and Barrett Hall had the Huskies back in it before the end of period number one. And then kind of a controversial one, uh, 238 in the second, Ryan Rosborough's first of the season, Barrett Hall and Jack Ryman telling assists. And this was one, Nick, kind of a gutsy call. Barrett Hall drives the net off of the nice zone entry. He gets tripped up by the defenseman, crashes into the netminder. And you kind of wonder, you know, are they going to let that one stand, even though the defenseman is the one who aided, you know, Hall into the net there. And, uh, you know, I'd like to say they got the call correct. Um, you know, I, like I said, I didn't really know because you can see that one going either way, depending on how the officiating crew looks. They deemed that essentially it was the Omaha defenseman who put Hall into his own goaltender by proxy, so to speak. And uh, uh, credit Rosborough crashing the crease as the second forward in, and he's able to chip one in to get the Huskies uh, of the lead that would stand throughout the night. Um, and that was kind of the key throughout the weekend. Uh, you look at Dylan Anhorn second from Zach Okabe, Josh Lidke less than a minute into the third period. Essentially, puck on net, rebound, it goes off a body, guys driving the crease, and Kyler Kupka finishes it off. Empty netter with half a minute to play his sixth of the season. Uh, Dominic Bassey stops 27 of 28. The Huskies get a key victory, Nick. Um, did you feel like that call in the second period? One, did you feel like it was the right call? But number two, I... Were you kind of, you know, on the edge of like, ah, this one really could go either way? Did you feel like it was a turning point for St. Cloud, or you know, how did you, how did you like the Huskies play in night number one? Um, it was the correct call. Um, it's a very similar read as to what you'd see in the NHL. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, if the defenseman um, of the defending team initiates contact, puts him in uh, without essentially no way for the uh, a forward player to avoid going into the goaltender, meaning there's no way he can get out of his way. Um, it's a live puck. You know, you can't yeah. just stop play. It's kind of like the old knock the net off of the moorings type play. Oh, wait, that still happens too. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was Ryan Roseboro's first NCAA goal, right? Yeah. So uh, I, I think that was a turning point because, again, we talk about how stingy, Omaha is especially defensively they're a tough team to especially get into shall we say the dangerous parts of the ice and they're a team that forces you to take the punishment right in front of their own blue paint and if you can do that sometimes you're rewarded um and a good job again by Ro by Rosborough to follow up too right you, know, you talk about stopping on pucks and getting multiple guys into that blue paint area to dig for anything that's loose um a fortunate bounce for the Huskies and I think sometimes in tight checking games, you know, you sometimes you have to see that puck roll across the goal line for you to get some confidence, get some, you know, pop in your step. And I feel like the Huskies um, took control there. I, I felt like they were playing a little tight. And, you know, before then, Noah, I'm not sure if you saw the same thing, but I felt like things kind of calmed down and they kind of settled into the game after that. It just sometimes just takes a, a little bit of a bounce and maybe a fortunate break, even though I don't see it that way. I think it was the correct call from start to finish. And again, I got to credit the Huskies for crashing the net, looking for the loose change and taking advantage of the play that was there. Yeah, absolutely. Huskies go one for three on the power play. Uh, perfect five for five on the kill. That would be the lone power play tally for the Huskies over the weekend. They go 0 for one in night number two. Uh, perfect two for two, though, for the Huskies on the kill. Um, in the second night and as is typical st cloud gets off to a good start lets them relax a little bit with a friday night victory saturday uh they lose three to two in a shootout two to two uh, in terms of the tie for the pairwise but as far as nchc points there's where your difference maker is huskies actually outshot in this one 33 23 uh they had uh um, pretty close margin. They were outshot 9-8 in the first, 11-7 in the second, and then 10-7 in the third, 3-1 in the extra session. But uh, um, uh, face-off-wise, a little bit tougher, only 22 wins, 29 losses. Uh, but the Huskies did get on the board first in this one. I. Uh, you know, first goal, a beautiful play back into the slot. Grant Sean, I thought he maybe should have shot it right away, but he didn't. His second of the season, he goes forehand, backhand, shelf. Huskies are on the board five minutes in. Jack Peart, Tyson Gross with assists. And then Kirby 
Kirby Proctor uh, unfortunately absolutely walked Werner yes, in with did. that toe drag. Yeah. That was a beautiful play four on four. Uh, less than a minute left in the opening frame and uh, were deadlocked at once. Actually tied after the second period to Ty Mueller, uh, his uh, sixth of the season, halfway through the period, and then Kyler Kupka's seventh from Warren Clark at the 17-29 mark. Uh, unfortunately, that second one, that was a tough one, kind of a short side shot that uh, I kind of feel like uh, – you know, Isaac Posh might have wanted to have back, unfortunately, oh, but uh, yeah. um, it kind of is what it is. Huskies fought back. A simple chip off the glass finds Kyler Kupka, backhand, forehand, flick, or kind of driving around the defender, and the Huskies uh, tie that one up until we get to the shootout. Vietti Mietten and Kyler Kupka, Barrett Hall, unable to tally in the shootout, and Ty Mueller is the only one who scores. A little short side flick for him on the blocker side. Thought Barrett Hall had a chance on his backhand to maybe tie it up in round number three, but... I don't think the netminder saw it clean, but nonetheless, um, that was kind of all she wrote for uh, um, Omaha getting the victory. I don't know that St. Cloud played particularly well in this one. I thought Omaha did a much better job creating opportunities. Isaac Posh, of course, gets uh, first real strong action for the Huskies in net. So obviously, um, I thought he was more than serviceable besides that unfortunate little bounce for him on that short side goal. I thought he was more than fine. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, Huskies... Not exactly perfect uh, heading out of the NCHC to the first half. We're pretty darn close to it. I, you know, the only other takeaway I would have from Saturday is, gosh, those gray or those gray jerseys for Omaha are not great. Yeah, they've got not that, my favorite. They've got that great logo, and they just that's that's what they did with it, huh? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I would have liked it all black. Yeah, personally, but I mean. We're not fashion experts, are we? No. Um, I think the Huskies is, you know, got what they deserved on Saturday. Um, yeah, I really do. Um, and that's uh, a kind of a tip of the cap to, to Omaha for the adjustments that they made in game number two. Yeah. But also for St. Cloud, uh, again, not as clean, especially out of their own zone. Um, I felt like, again, that's more of a tribute to Omaha. Again, they when they commit to take it away, um, shall I say the middle part of the ice and that is just the lane from all three zones uh they're a tough team to to kind of go up ice against uh because they 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 know when to time things to step up to take away passing lanes they read what the play that cut that comes at them very well um and then again St. Cloud just couldn't get into the interior in the offensive zone I think Omaha did a good job keeping things to the outside um and just there wasn't as much free ice out there so uh wasn't quite as you know like you said that the the execution just quite wasn't there again omaha tightened things up a bit um and that's sort of that prototypical omaha win right where you sort of just kind of grind it out you keep it low scoring you keep it close you can get to the extra frame maybe a shootout great um but you kind of frustrate your opponent and you could see frustration from the huskies on saturday at least i did i'm not sure if you saw the same thing um but at the end of it you know it had to it had to happen at some point uh but as we mentioned you know uh on the, on our other show seven all in one for the first eight games of conference play you're sitting uh four points at the top i still think you're in pretty good spot yeah huskies uh coaches poll and pairwise respectively at 14 aside uh coaches poll coming out today on the 11th color college actually slotting in at 20 in the poll so i i don't know how much i really read into that to be honest with you a lot of east teams right. at the top of course uh as far as the pairwise is concerned the gophers st cloud and michigan at 13 14 15 respectively top team according to the pairwise is quinnipiac which uh, apparently they had a good finish to the year last year um, <laughs> <laughs> um as far as nchg action like we mentioned uh, you know, the Huskies and everybody else off until the tail end of December. Huskies will have uh, Bemidji the 29th and 31st. They're at the Sanford Center the 29th, 31st. They're back home at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. First half, though, Huskies go 9-5-2. Uh, six of their seven losses coming in non-conference play this season. They have yet to win a game uh, in overtime or the shootout. Uh, they lost in overtime uh, against St. Thomas. They beat St. Thomas the next night uh, to kind of recap the first half of the schedule here. Uh, an overtime victory in which they led to nothing, then dropped uh, three straight goals uh, against Mankato, takes the victory, and then 5-1 the second night was kind of a really tough start to the season. Uh, a split against Fairbanks, which they probably could have taken both just by stats alone, but the Nanooks doing a good job in night number two. Then the Huskies, 
they started conference play and they really haven't looked back. Uh, winners of six straight against Miami, Western Michigan, and Duluth before a non-conference 2-0 loss and a beautiful comeback for the shootout victory 4-3 against Michigan and the Wolverines. That was a heck of a hot game. Two really good games. Um, for both of those over the course of the holiday weekend. And then Omaha 4-1 victory, as we mentioned, and the shootout loss to round off uh, the first half of the season. Huskies, like we said, have two more games before the calendar year flips over. Second half, in case you were curious, Denver, North Dakota, Omaha. First one of those is on the road and then at home for four straight before four on the road to start February. CC and Miami, both games and trips that the Huskies could have good success in um, potentially, although... The way the Tigers played last weekend, you never really know. And then back at back at home for four straight again, Western and Denver to start March, and then uh, finishing out as they usually do against Duluth. This one March eighth and ninth up at Amsoil on the road to cap off the regular season. So, uh, Nick Vietti Mietnin pacing the team, fourteen points for him, continues to sit on ten goals for the season. Kyler Kupka, Dylan Anhorn, Adam Ingram at thirteen, thirteen, and twelve points respectively are your top four point getters for this group in net like we mentioned isaac posh gets his first test i mean a 957 for him and a 1.22 goals against i mean a pretty good opponent in omaha that he saw last weekend dominic bassi a 913 for him and a 2.22 goals against uh that's starting to even out as they go through the season but uh nick this team just under 20% of the power play, just over 86% on the PK. Uh, positive goal differential, I believe it will be plus nine on the season. Outshooting their opponents, not as heavily as the women are right now, but the men's team still doing what they have to do. A little bit more even splits because of their non-conference schedule. But uh, um, I guess if we kind of had to encapsulate a little bit of the men's season, bit of a shock on the negative side of the non-conference game to start. Yeah bit of a shock on the other side all things considered even if they had a great start in the nchc they're 7-0-1 entering the holiday break how do you look at the the first half of this season when it's like the huskies are now minus maybe saturday playing really well they didn't start off that way you know is it sustainable are they overplaying to their capability how how do we quantify uh, the first whatever it would be 15 16 games of the season um, you know, I think the, the lazy answer would be, you know, slow start, fast finish, but that yeah. would be lazy. Um, and that's the like, show. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> and we're done. No. Um, but the reality is, you know, when we looked at this roster and we saw what the Huskies lost, uh, Spencer Meyer in the back end, Brendan Bushy, Andre Trayball. Um, there were some questions as to the defensive depth. Not big questions, but okay. There's some holes to fill, right? Um, losing Yami Kranila down the middle. Oh, wait, they didn't have like any centermen at the start of the year. I mean, <laughs> it, that was something we talked about, right? Who's going to take faceoffs? Um, was Werner Mietnin, who had a very good junior campaign with Fargo, you know, mm-hmm. was he going to get the top six minutes? Um, and was Brett Larson going to maybe experiment putting him alongside his brother just because of the natural chemistry, right? Um, I think what we saw, so for those paying attention, this is not the lazy answer, is a team that had youth that some key positions that had to figure it out. I, I think that's really what it was. And, and the non-conference, you know, is it arbitrary to a point because it's just how the schedule is written? Sure. Um, could you imagine that if you started right away in conference play all different of a story this looks yeah right um so yeah and and historically right the past what four or five six seasons st cloud has had a very strong non-conference schedule so this was a bit of a shock um but you could see it right there there were some things that needed that the wheels weren't all clicking they weren't all in sync right um they get uh, was it between the mankato series um where they got that first bye week where it was like okay yeah. this is one they needed and then all of a sudden, you know, you get to conference play. And I think your first sign of, okay, we're, we're doing okay, was you go to Western Michigan, you go yep. to Lawson, and you get that sweep. Something, A, a you haven't won there since 2019, and nonetheless sweep. Okay, that's good. Okay, but that's four games. And then they win another two. Granted, Duluth playing very desperate hockey because as we've chronicled a very tough start for them, Huskies had a tough spurt. My goodness, UMB's had a 
horrendous start. Yep. Um, but they they played very well. They were two very tight games, and St. Cloud found a way to, to get the Ws in both, right? So we're going, okay. So they're taking care of business, and they're finding different ways to win, right? Um, Omaha, again, another good opponent. I think Omaha just – for whatever reason, they're underrated for what they should be. Especially at Baxter Arena, the Huskies have yeah. had a tough time. It's kind of becoming the new Kalamazoo right now. It kind of is. And again, it's similar style. You know, it's not the same atmosphere. I think, you know, the atmosphere in Lawson is is a college hockey-like bucket list item for anybody. I mean that with all due respect uh, to Western Michigan. That's a hell of a building and a hell of an atmosphere. Um, but it's different hockey, right? Uh, yeah. To a degree. Uh, so... With that being said, you're sitting here December 11th when, if we look back to October 11th, we had very different outlooks of what this Husky team might look like when we got to this point. Um, and so I think if you're Brett Larson, uh, one, you're hoping that January doesn't come. Hey, you don't have to deal with Olympics. Um, there's nobody going to World Juniors, so you don't yep. have to deal with – that adversity, if you call, except for the head coach, you'll be on. And congrats to Brett. Um, but you're now crossing your fingers, crossing your toes, your whatever, and you're just praying that you don't get an injury, right? Yeah. Um, I think if this team can stay healthy, um, they still haven't really been tested by the big guns yet. Again, they yeah. haven't seen North Dakota. They haven't seen Denver yet. Um, so we've seen what they could be capable of but we haven't seen them being uh shall we see in the spotlight yet so the book is still out yet in my yep. opinion um but hard to be upset about how way things started the way that there are now that there hasn't been tremendous progress but we haven't pulled out the measuring stick yet because that's yet to come here in the second half yeah, well, if they if the Aussies go four and four, I think it's a much different conversation throughout the conference play. Um, good yes. showing against Michigan too. Obviously, Wolverines team, very good team as well too. But um, yes. you know, we we talked about an MNCAA, and you know, the conversation was who do you feel is an NCAA lock here right now? I said the only team I feel like really is is North Dakota, and specifically for that reason, like you said, Nick, St. Cloud has yet to kind of have some big tests in conference right now. I mean, Western Michigan probably your biggest one so far. Um, you know, so it's still yet to see if they can continue to keep the train rolling, especially with the holiday break in between. Bemidji State will be an interesting test for, for the CCHA matchup non-conference because, of course, non-conference has suddenly been an issue for the Huskies as of recent uh, this right. year. So a bit of a flip-flop. But, uh, you know, in the NCAA, she could only take maybe three teams this year uh, to the NCAA. So the Huskies want to be on the right side of that line. They've had a really good start. You'll never scoff at winning seven of eight and grabbing points in all eight in the NCHE, especially the way that teams are beating up on each other this year. The Tigers helped out the Huskies quite a bit over the past previous weekend, heading into the holiday break with, um, with North Dakota and getting those victories at Ralph Ingolstead. So the Huskies have some breathing room, four points respectively taking 22 of 24 total. So all in all, I mean, it's, you have to feel good about it. Like you said, if you're a Huskies fan, non-conference is a little bit desired. I think more in the pairwise than anything else right now. Um, yeah. But the, all you can do is look forward and continue to try to play your best hockey. Can the Huskies do that after three weeks off? We're going to find out December 29th and 31st. Uh, home and home versus Bemidji State as per usual. And uh, yeah, should be a good one. Any kind of parting thoughts here, Nick, on either the men's teams, women's teams, Christmas? I, did, I mean, what do we got? <laughs> You're asking the old man at 9.20 for his parting thoughts when his brain is already half dead. <laughs> um, no, I mean, honestly, great first half by both teams. Honestly, yeah. they're both in pairwise positions currently. Um, you're both are playing pretty decent hockey. Have never been able to say that before. Um, yeah. Um, but yet, there's still more to be desired on both sides as well. You're always looking for ways to improve. Um I think you're going to see maybe a hot take that both of these squads are going to be NCAA tournament appearances for the first time together. I really feel that that's a possibility. Um, St. Cloud is going to have to dig deep after the break here. Again, non-conference against Bemidji, you're going to have to find a way to get both of those considering how the CCHA has looked. Um, so basically you have to get through Friday because – Bemidji can't win on Saturday, but they are a fire wagon for a reason on Friday. Yep. Um, but you can get through coming off a, a mini break with that. 
And then like, as you mentioned, you get into some really tough tests of the NCAC. As we say, it never gets easier in this conference. It gets harder. Um, but I feel like now that things have settled down for the past six, seven weeks for this men's squad, I think they're up to the challenge now. And uh, I think they'll be ready to take on teams like North Dakota, Denver, Western Michigan, um, and Omaha again. I, I think that they're ready to go because at, at the end of the day, um, that's going to be, you know, it's a second half push. You can't have a night off because as we as we saw, third through seven, what is it, five points? Yep. In the NCHC that separates. So, I mean, a couple bad weekends you, you string together could mean trouble. But here's the other thing. St. Cloud came back from nine winless last year, got hot at the right time, and propelled themselves not only to an NCHC tournament appearance, they secured themselves to get another NCAA tournament appearance. And um, I'll tell you this, though, you know, being at the Herb three times this week, I looked up with the batters, so they're running out of room up there. So um, let's continue to fill the Raptors, uh, but hopefully leave me some more accolades on those batters, not just some tournament appearances. I'd like to see a national championship banner get raised one of these years because I think – you got the coaches on both sides. You've got the talent. Now yep. let's go to let's go and get one. Yeah, absolutely. Good first half for both squads. Uh, men's team plays, like you mentioned, Friday, Sunday, the 29th and 31st uh, to round off December, just under three weeks away. Women's team plays uh, just under a calendar uh, month away. Saturday on the 6th, it'll be some exhibition game against St. Thomas, and then both teams back in action the following weekend, so the men will be off after their weekend against Bemidji State. Uh, Mankato will be visiting town on the women's side, and then of course on the men's side, uh, you get right back at it with the, the annual trip to Magnus Arena, which is always a tough one, against the Denver Pioneers on the men's side, January 12th and 13th. For Nick Maxson, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the death. Timer come in, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies alongside. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL! Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.